We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 84. We have a very busy episode because a lot of news has broken over the last, I guess, 12 hours. Scott, what's going on? Yeah, it's Monday morning, so we're recording this day of uh, of our release, which we usually record Sunday, and it's it's good, I guess, because we would have missed a lot of the the late Chapman news breaking last night. So now we're we're on top of it. We know exactly what the the current rumors are. It seems like there's a lot of momentum going towards one direction, and that's Chicago right now. So, yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of a lot of different chatter going on about about Mr. Chapman and what we're going to get in return for him. Yeah, by the time people are listening to this around 11 o'clock on Monday, some something may have happened. Chapman may already be out of the Bronx. So definitely be keeping my eye close to Twitter today and seeing what everybody's saying. Obviously, it's just so funny during this time. Everyone's reporting something different. Uh, I feel like, you know, John Heyman will tweet one thing, then Ken R- Rosenthal will tweet another thing. And then, you know, it's just all these baseball writers have their own sources and with a slightly differing opinion. So I always try not to get too excited until something is actually confirmed by the team. But obviously it's hard not to get excited. And the Yankees, I mean, it's been, we, since last time we talked, the Yankees were had dropped the first two games against Boston after the All-Star break. They had not yet played that Sunday night game. Since then, they've been pretty damn good. And it just goes to, it's just funny because of course this team is going to 
just pull you back in right at the last second. I don't know about you. I'm not getting suckered in. I wrote something on Friday saying, do not let the Yankees fool you. But are you letting the Yankees fool you? No, I'm not letting them fool me into a to a point where I think they're a good team now, and I think they're they're over the hump per se. They're they're frustrating because they're doing this right before the trade deadline, which which could be a good or a bad thing. Either ownership already knows what they are, and they're just doing this now, and it's and it's actually driving the price up, which is not a bad thing because other teams are like, oh, maybe they're not going to sell. So honestly, this could be a, it's a good negotiation thing if they are indeed selling. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, you know, they are what they are. If, if they start playing better at some point after the trade deadline, uh, then terrific. You know, if they, they catch fire, then terrific. Uh, but r- right now they are what they are. People seem to overreact to the thing they most recently saw. They took three out of four from Baltimore and then two out of three from San Francisco. And then they, everyone's saying, oh, maybe the Yankees can actually make a run at this thing because you look at the standings and it's not that unrealistic to think they could make the playoffs. Right. But we're 100 games into the season at this point. I mean, 98 games in. I think we know what this team is. They're a 500 team. They're not a terrible team, but they're not a good enough team to even make the playoffs or make noise in the playoffs. So I think ownership realizes that, obviously, with the Chapman stuff. But before we get to that, show number 84. Uh, today, it's going to be dedicated to the Great Bambino because 84 Who? years... The Great Bambino. Oh. Uh, the Great Bambi? Yeah, the great Bambino. <laughs> the shot heard around the world. No, it wasn't the shot heard around the world. Was no, it? that was Bobby Thompson. <laughs> it was the shot that he called thirty-two or in 1932, the World Series against the Cubs, who obviously we'll be talking about a lot about today. Um, but he famously pointed to center field and called his shot, which I am calling bullshit on. I don't know about you. What, the fact that he actually called it or he was just pointing in a certain direction and someone caught a camera or caught a picture of it and then well, said that's what he it's did? It's 1932. I don't think you can trust anything on camera from then. That <laughs> that could have been drawn for all we know. So, yeah, I don't know. I like belie- I like believing it, so I believe it. <laughs> well, well, I always I always think about, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, so I don't think he actually called the shot. There, there's a lot of things that you could think of before – you know, 1932 and before 1932 of, of things that are uh, that are in the history books that might be a bit fabricated. But nevertheless, uh, the Yankees swept the Cubs and they have pretty much been god awful ever since. Obviously, the curse of the Billy Goat and all that crap. Speaking of the Cubs, we are going to be talking a lot about them today. It seems like since Theo Epstein left Boston and went to Chicago, him and Cashman have been buddy buddy on some trades. Obviously, they got uh, Starling Castro for Adam Warren in the offseason, and now it seems that the Cubs and the Yankees will be trading for Chapman. The Yankees will be getting Gliber Torres, who, if you have not heard of him, which I had not heard of him, is a 19-year-old shortstop, number one overall prospect in the Cubs system. And which, be a- care- which be careful of thinking about that, because that's just, just to kind of jump in there real quick, because... Uh, three, four, five of their prospects, of their very top prospects, are in the major leagues now. That that have been for the past, you know, five years. So, right, um, and and you don't, you can't think of obviously a guy like Kyle Schwarber as a prospect anymore. He's right, a major exactly. league player. So yes, you're right. Uh, Chris Bryant was their number one prospect exactly. for the last three, four years, but he came up last year, so he's no longer a prospect. Baez, but as it stands today, you know, all these guys, yeah, right, yeah. As it stands today, Torres is the Cubs number one overall prospect, and he's the 28th best prospect as ranked by MLB.com, which I kind of 
would look to more than the Cubs right. ranking. Because if you're the 28th overall prospect in all of major leagues, that means you've got some potential. You're pretty damn good. Yeah, no doubt. He's a highly touted guy, uh, you know, super athletic, and he, he he really lines up as a as a, you know a true a true shortstop prospect. Uh, he's got power. He's got speed. He's athletic, and yeah, the fact that he's the the you know the number 28 prospect in baseball definitely says something to me. And and it's just crazy to me thinking that. And I understand that you know for for Chapman um, he's going to be a rental. Uh, there's been talk about an extension within the negotiation. I I really have a hard time believing that. I have a very difficult time believing that Raul Chapman's not going to hit the free agent market. He would be utterly ridiculous for him not to for his own personal finances. But the the fact that you know for for half of a season, less than half of a season, even um, we could get in return a, a guy who's a, a a top 28 baseball prospect across the major leagues is is pretty awesome. And to put that into perspective, Aaron Judge is ranked 27 overall by MLB.com. So that's the type of player you're talking about. Um, yeah. The Yankees would then have two guys ranked in the top 28 that you hope will impact your team in the next year or you know year two three years. Which, that's what the Yankees need to be doing right now. They need to be adding assets to their minor league system that have a chance to really impact them on their next pennant in the next few years. And, and this Torres trade would be something for that. And when you think about what they traded for Chapman, it was basically nothing. They got him for pennies on the dollar because of the controversy with the domestic violence, the fact that he was an impending free agent and was most likely going to be serving a suspension. He's been good. He's behaved since he came to the Bronx, which is good. And he seems to have liked the Yankees organization, and he's pitched really well. So if, if Cashman were, were to be able to pull off a, fl- a flip for, for Chapman like this, I think you got to give him a lot of credit. Yeah, and I know before when we've been talking about this and we've been talking about what we were going to get in return for, for a lot of the guys that were uh, rumored to be traded, the Millers, Chapman, uh, you know, guys guys like that, the uh, – one of the one of the things we talked about, and I think this was you know just so people, I guess understand our perspective on this too. The the Chapman move obviously is a rental. We know that he's he's not guaranteed to be on the Yankees past this year, uh, whereas Miller's controlled for two years. So I know when we were talking about a trade for Miller, we're looking for a guy that's ready right now, a, a guy that can contribute, a guy that is a no doubter. Either he's in AAA ready to you know get into the major leagues, or he's a major league baseball player ready to to, to contribute on the Yankees today or or very very soon. With a guy like Chapman. Uh, I think you can go a little bit further down in the in the uh, minor leagues just and, and looking at potential just because you're not going to get one of those guys for Chapman because he is a rental, because he's only on the team for a couple months. Um, so the fact that they're getting this top of a prospect to me is a really uh, it's a great move for Cashman. And and, you know, I don't care what position he plays in all honesty, because at this point, when you're when you're just stockpiling talent, position does not matter. And shortstop's probably the most difficult position on the baseball diamond. So chances are he could probably play other places. So get as many stud shortstops as you can get. And yes, as you just said, you can move guys around. Who's a, a short a guy like um, who's a shortstop? You can move around to center field, left field. You can do a lot of things. And I really trust Theo Epstein when he's drafting position players. He's had a little bit of a, a worse history drafting pitchers. The Red Sox and the Cubs really haven't developed any any pitching from their minor league system since he he's been there but as far as position players go all the guys on the Red Sox that essentially are young and made the all-star team this year were drafted by Theo Epstein Mookie Betts um, 
Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogarts. Those were all Theo Epstein guys. They were not Dave Dombrowski or Ben Charrington guys. So I really trust uh, his opinion on position players. And, you know, if if he's ranked 28 overall in, the, in all of major leagues, I think the Yankees would be getting a really good player in return. And like you said, you cannot think about position to position at this point. The Yankees need to be just stockpiling talent. They would have an abundance of infielders. I mean, Jorge Mateo, we still think, is going to really be a good player for the Yankees. So you can do a lot of things when you have young players who can all play shortstop or second base on this team. Yeah, no doubt. And to clarify, the uh, Torres was a signee, I believe, out of Venezuela as a 18. I think he was an international signing for for Chicago. And but to to comment on your on your uh, you know the Theo Epstein thing, I mean, the guy definitely has an eye for talent. There's zero there's zero doubt about it. If you look at the the young athletic guys, and that's the other thing. He you know what the, I think the guys that he's been looking for are are young athletic guys, not, not big power guys, but guys that can play kind of all over, uh, guys that are, that, that can move. He, I, I feel like he gets the next wave of what baseball is. You know what I mean? The next baseball, uh, the next type of baseball player that's going to be, that is right now the, you know, the most, uh, the most effective in the major leagues. And it's not the big power hitter anymore. It's the, it's the athletic kid who can, you know, maybe hit 20 home runs, 20 to 30 home runs, um, steal a couple bases and move around. Are you a little surprised, though, that since the Yankees went 6-4 and four on the homestand, two games over five hundred against what you could argue is the best teams in baseball, that they would move on from Chapman after that? No, because I think Chapman and Beltran are the two guys that, that are no doubters. Like you, you just have to get rid of them at this point because you, you can get clear assets for them, clear high-level high assets that will affect your team in a much more powerful way in the future than than if you were to hold on to them for this year. So I think it's I think it was a no doubt move that you have to get rid of Chapman and I think Beltron's going is on the cusp for next uh, next to be moved. But at the same time, we're we're talking about two of the best teams that that we have beaten, right? But let's look at these two teams that we have beaten. Yeah. When the when the Orioles came into New York, came into the Bronx, and I don't know how much the the Yes Network was talking about this stuff, um, but I was I was I actually had some of the a couple of the games I had some of the Baltimore broadcast on too, and I was listening to what they were saying, and apparently the entire team had the flu. The entire team, yeah. like for the first couple of games, we didn't see Machado, we didn't see Chris Davis, Buck Showalter missed a game. These guys were all vomiting in a bucket in their hotel room, and and had zero energy and could not play baseball. So, you know, when when the Orioles came into town. I don't even think uh, Trumbo played for one of the games, right? Because I think he was sick. Well, so, it was a crafty move by the Yankees' clubhouse attendants to poison the food on the visitor side. Yeah, sending in the bat boy. Good move. But, yeah, so we, we played a very down team, a team that was beat up and literally just not feeling well. So, um, you know, take that for what it is, but they definitely were not coming in, uh, you know, with their with their full arsenal. And then the we Giants, a San Francisco <laughs> team who had – Literally not won a game since the All-Star break. They were 0-6, I believe, coming into it. So, I mean, they were literally playing the worst baseball you could possibly play. And I think and, they just made another error. Yeah, exactly. Brendan, I think Crawford is just, you know, he's making errors. Air mailing like, throws into the it's crazy. Into the it's a gold club mail. shortstop. Yeah, so I don't know what what was going on with those. You know, obviously we know that there was a flu bug. Maybe they, they left it in the dugout for the for the Giants when they came. But, yeah, we, we definitely played two teams that were – while while their records and their uh, their talent, you see what they are on paper. They did not play like that when they came into the Bronx. It's not like we were overwhelming and kicked their ass. You know, our offense was still sputtering. Yep. We had great pitching. Uh, that cannot go be overseen. But 
but um, these, the teams were definitely uh, were battered. Yeah, if you tell me that the Yankees are going to allow two runs a game for the rest of the season, then yeah, don't sell because they will make the playoffs. But I don't think that's going to happen. That's impossible to happen. The offense was still very mediocre at best. Think about all those scoring opportunities they had against San Francisco thanks to all those errors. And they only scratched out a couple runs in the first two games. And against Baltimore, there was a game when they had bases loaded and nobody out. They walked in a run and then they couldn't score another guy. So the offense is still below average and unless it all of a sudden becomes somewhere near what it was in july of last year i just don't think this team can make the playoffs um but getting back to if the yankees are going to actually pull the trigger and trade chapman i read some things that maybe the hal steinbrenner has not given cashman the okay to Mm -hmm. sell chapman yet so that might be why the offers on the table from the cubs but the yankees have not agreed to it yet yeah, I, I saw you know reports of that. Obviously, he's he's kind of waiting to pull the trigger. I, to me, when I read the report, I wasn't I wasn't 100 clear if they were talking about Chapman or if they were talking about some of the other guys that were uh, that were you know held up like Miller and and guys like that who who they're still fielding offers for. Um, but yeah, well, I think know. it was probably it, it would probably go for a blanket thing where Steinbrenner would say, "Yes, you can. You are free to make moves." You know, well, they're very different, sell. though. That, to me, they're very different. So but, I would think even but, one but of them, they would be in two buckets. No, because that's not Steinbrenner's decision. Steinbrenner's decision is, yes, you can sell or no, you cannot sell. Oh, it's see, then, I don't believe it's that. It's then Cashman's decision on who he sells because that's baseball. That affects – that. That's and you truly, and you truly believe that. You truly believe that that's exactly the case. You think that the house is not going to say – uh, a player by player. I, I, yes, I don't believe I do, that because I don't. I don't think he knows baseball. I don't think he's really. I don't think he's really a baseball fan like his dad was. I don't think that matters. I he's think there's still man. a control there, and yeah, it's a business. Still, there's still a business to the fact that he, that Miller. You look at the. You can look at the book, and you know what he is. I mean, you, you see. You see that he's controlled for two more years. Well, and, if and, Steinbrenner, and a business decision. If Steinbrenner is actually telling mm-hmm. player by player to Cashman who he can sell. That's ridiculous. This no, team, I think this he's, team is I think he's giving the final. The I think he's giving the final say, right? So I think Cashman's laying everything out there. He's saying exactly what he thinks, giving giving Steinbrenner and Levine all of the baseball information, as much baseball information as they can have. And then at the end of the day, here's the information. Here's what I know. Here's what I think. Now they have to make the the final decision. And I think that's the way it's going. I think they're making the final decision. If I were Brian Cashman, I would say screw you, and I would quit. Because (laughs) that is taking baseball operations out of his hands, which is what he's hired to do. But that's exactly what we've we've heard rumors of that that's been happening for years now. I mean, we've we've heard that Cashman's ready to sell for years and years, and and they've they've said no, and that's also taking baseball decisions out of his hands. It's it's uh, you know whether he's doing it whether they're doing it on a blanket case or a case by a player by player, they're still doing it. It's still affecting. Uh, It it would just seem really foolish for Steinbrenner and Levine and all these guys to get into the weeds of the baseball stuff because they're not experts on that and I just don't feel comfortable if that's what's happening I don't feel comfortable in the Yankees future if that's the case you don't think how Steinbrenner or someone or, or Randy Levine's looking in the mirror every morning saying you are a baseball expert you know everything about baseball you are a baseball guy I could see that pep talk you know like every morning yeah. To convince himself, they, 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 I, Levine probably has hired a little, a little kid just to keep telling him that stuff. Yes, you, you are, you are the master. You can, you can do this. You were about to say midget. No, I was not. <laughs> I really wasn't. Okay. Uh, the 
so that is the strongest rumor on the table uh, is the Cubs will be will be obtaining Chapman. But because, like I said earlier, where every baseball reporter has a different source and a different opinion, some are saying that Cleveland has the best package on the table for Chapman and that, you know, they should be the ones who are obtaining him because they're offering up a bunch of prospects I've never heard of. But apparently those are the best guys. Well, so the guys that they're talking about are uh, Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, uh, Justice Sheffield, and Trist- Tristan McKenzie. I'm actually on the MLB.com prospect list. Uh, Clint Frazier is a tick above. They have Torres as 24, so it's all around the same. But Zimmer and, and Frazier are 22 and 23. So these guys are, are high-level prospects as well, um, both outfielders. And, uh, yeah, so take that with, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Sheffield's in the top 50 as well. So these are guys that are, are rated very high. And uh, so everything that has being offered so far from what we're hearing, minus, I mean, if you if you start going higher than that as far as the prospect list, you're seeing guys who are just starting to make it into the majors. Like the top 10 is uh, Trey Turner from Washington, uh, a couple pitchers from Pittsburgh who have already played, Joey Gallo, Jan Makata. Like these are all the guys in the top. And – you know, we're getting down to probably around the 20s is where they're starting to uh, to be rumored as as guys that have been offered to the Yankees. So, I mean, to me, that's a good haul for a guy that is yes. that is that is you know a rental. It's <laughs> that we should still sign at the end of the year. I'm shocked. Those are the names that <clears throat> that is being talked about that the Yankees would get in return. I guess they've done a good job at driving the price up. Maybe taking Andrew Miller off the table has actually benefited them because Chapman is the the single best reliever on the market so teams have to put their best prospects forward um and if he was is traded to cleveland i really do not see them resigning him so he will definitely be a free agent at the end of the year where i think you said this earlier in the show that if the cubs trade for him they're probably going to want to get a deal done with him because they don't want to be trading their number one prospect in their system for a two-month rental they want to resign the guy but cleveland's budget is low they don't even sell out and they're one of the better teams in baseball so they're definitely not going to re-sign him in the offseason. I just can't see a guy like Araldus Chapman signing a, a deal before he knows what the rest of the league will pay him. You know what I mean? I, I have a very difficult time believing that he would actually agree to sign something uh, before that. So I know there's been rumors about a, a Cubs deal being contingent on an extension. I, I personally don't hold that you know, with much weight because I don't think it's – I just don't think it's a smart business decision on on Chapman's part. I don't know why he would do it. There's really no incentive for him to do it. That's true. But if they're offering him a boatload of money, why would he yeah. turn that down? I guess. I don't know. A guy like that to me with like, I don't know, his mental makeup. It seems like he's the, you know, he he's very confident. He's a very confident individual. He he would probably think that if he there was a bidding war against him, he could drive the price up, you know, even more. Whatever they're offering him, he's, you know, he I would I would think if I was in his brain, if I could play uh, Araldis Chapman, I would think that there would be another team that possibly would give me one more dollar. Well, we actually got that as a Twitter question this week. It's from at Joe in a flash on Twitter, and he says, can the Yankees sort of work out a quote-unquote deal with Chapman where they say, we'll rent you out, but we want to re-sign you in the offseason? Now, I know reports have said that Chapman would be welcome to re-signing with the Yankees because he has enjoyed New York. But obviously you can't actually have that agreement in place or else that is, uh, what is that, collusion or whatever it is. So, But they could they could obviously make a push for him if they really want to bring back the three-headed monster. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason why you can't go back after him. I mean, he is a guy that's exciting. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a, I just don't want to keep him for this year. I want to I want to sell him, get get something awesome in return for him, and then and then look at re-signing him because if the Yankees were to re-sign him at the end of the season, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with it. The guy's exciting. He he he's definitely brought a level of excitement to the Bronx and into the stadium. There's no doubt about it. You can't it, you can't really dispute that. So the fact that he's just adding excitement and entertainment value, I think, is extremely attractive for the Yankees. And I, you know, I touched on that way early in the season about how I think the Yankees look at him as two different players. They see him obviously as a dominant closer, but they also see him as a, uh, you know, a, a money machine. I mean, they they see him bringing butts and seats, and I, I believe he does do that. I also like that he is willing to go more than an inning, and he's also willing to pitch more than two, three, four days in a row, which Girardi will never do, but. He is willing to go three days in a row, no problem. If you remember that rain delay game where yeah. it was like a three-hour rain delay, he was pissed off that Girardi didn't bring him back out after that. So the guy's a gamer, which obviously you have to love. Yeah, he's definitely a gamer. You can tell when he's out there. He's he's all business. Dude sweats like crazy. I, I kind of like the fact that he well, gets he's got up that, so much. He's got this. that long Under Armour shirt on when it's 99 and humid out, which I don't is it, know. Yeah, but doesn't Under Armour make like cooling shirts now that keep the, the cool in? They might. Don't they go both ways? All I know is I would not be wearing <laughs> long sleeves with a mock turtleneck when, when it's like 100 degrees in the middle of July. But yeah, he's definitely got the stamina to go multiple innings. I mean, I, I even saw someone talking about, which was interesting to me, actually. Uh, I saw someone talking about it on Twitter. Like, how about we try Chapman as a starter at some point, bringing him into the season? <laughs> well, 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 I don't think he has the pitches for that. Uh, I think, you know, I don't think you're going to see 100 to 105 if he's a starting pitcher. Um, I think the guy has definitely found his zone in the in the bullpen, but you can definitely tell he gets up for it, and he's got the he's got the durability to to go multiple innings. I mean, the, he doesn't. There's there's no you know there's no setbacks on on his uh, on the, how hard he's throwing in, in the second inning at the end of the second inning. So yeah, I always uh, love that. He's when definitely he, a gamer. When people were like, yeah, why can't Mariano just go out in the first inning and throw eight innings, keep throwing that cutter over and over again. It's like, yeah, it well, doesn't quite well, we work that way. We tried that. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he, very good as a starter. There, there's a reason he's in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, guys don't guys don't start out in the in the bullpen. They they start out in the rotation and then they move there when they're not cutting it as a starter. At some point in their career there's there's a move. <clears throat> Although there are guys in college now who are bullpen arms, which is just crazy. I didn't think yeah, that uh, yeah, did not exist. But even in I mean at some point, at some point in your in your career, you're a starting pitcher. You know, you're starting yeah. in high school, going into college or wherever, and then you make that transition. Uh, the Nationals are also in the mix for Araldis Chapman. We don't know what kind of prospect package they're offering up. They're just reportedly in the mix. The reason I think the Cubs one is the strongest is because it Gleyber Torres is the one and only name that has been named from Chicago. It's a it's it's a tangible thing. We can look them up. We can say, okay, Chapman for Torres. That's a trade that makes sense. So that's why I think the Cubs one is the leader in the clubhouse at this point. And, and it seems like it's basically up to the Yankees to agree to it now. The Cubs have made their final offer, and, and we're just in a waiting game. And well, and plus you're seeing a lot of the national guys all kind of co- uh, corroborate that that same the same information. For the Cubs, whereas everybody else, you're kind of getting scattered. It's like a buckshot of information from different guys. Um, and the beautiful thing about websites like Bronx Pinstripes is now you can see, you know, all of these reports in one area. So, so definitely check out the website. And we have a we have a uh, an article with with every update that's possible from all the national guys. We don't we don't report on people who aren't 
who don't have good reputations, but they Wait, all report uh, on people that have shady pictures of them in a bikini. From FS1 in a bikini? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> but I will send you a direct message to find out if you are full of shit or not. <laughs> Do you remember that kid? And, Do you remember that like fourteen? There were like fifteen of breaking. There were like breaking news. It was like, ten, was it was was, like uh, 2015 was like the year of the uh, of the high school reporter. Wasn't it because he was playing online video games with like Kurt Schilling or something? I thought he had some kind of a. I, I thought it was like, uh, what's his name? Henry. Uh, who's the owner of the Red Sox? Oh, it was John Henry. It was Hen- John. John Henry. Henry. It was like yes. John Henry's nephew or play, grandson. Yeah, or he was something. playing uh, like yeah. World of Warcraft with John Henry's nephew. Yeah, <laughs> very that bizarre. was insider information. That's but the, classic. the messed up thing was it was actually true. I know. I'm telling you, these these chat rooms, there's information getting passed. That's how these freaking terrorists are doing it. They're doing these chat rooms. There's information flying through these things. That's how sex slaves start too. It's these bad news. Video games are on a whole other, whole other level of bad now. Uh, uh, it seems like the Kyle Schwarber rumors are completely dead at this point. Yeah. And well, yeah, it was fun while it lasted, right? And yeah, so the next Bambino coming to the Bronx. It makes sense. I mean, why would the Cubs give up on a 23-year-old slugger for a relief pitcher? That's what I said from the beginning, that the Yankees were going to have to offer a little bit more than just Andrew Miller for Kyle Schwarber. Um, I know you said because Schwarber cannot help them this year and they're desperate for a World Series that they would do it. Yeah. But Theo Epstein's not a dumb guy. He knows that he can get more for Kyle Schwarber than just a relief pitcher if he does want to trade him. He can trade him next trade deadline if he has a good first half and get, you know, Kyle Schwarber plus a position player. Or excuse me, he can get Andrew Miller plus a position player. Well, so I, I you know, my, 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 my reasoning was saying that he's not helping him this year because he's on the DL, obviously. He's right, so that injury. means his value is at an all-time low, and you don't that's sell the other, on a guy. That's the other side. You don't sell low on a guy who has crazy upside. But the other reason why I was counteracting the counteraction of that was because they are the Chicago Cubs, and they haven't won in over 100 years. So there's a there's there's an absolute you know, immediacy there, there, there's so much pressure to win out there right now. And, and they have to win. They can't wait. They just, if there's an opportunity to pull the trigger on somebody who's going to put you over the top, granted, I understand there's a million things that can happen in baseball, but it is a seven game series, seven game series. A lot of the time, the better team does win. And when you see that and you're, you're loaded for a seven game series with the back end of the bullpen with a guy like Miller or Chapman, you're just that much better. And we know that their bullpen is not that great. I mean, they're, they're, they got guys like Joe Nathan who are coming. He just came back and is now on their roster. I can't believe Joe he's still Nathan, in baseball. It he just came back. He's I think he's 41 baseball. years old and is recovering from Tommy John. I don't even know if it's his is first it, Tommy John. It, no, it's, I don't think it is his first Tommy John surgery. So this is a guy that's 41 years old coming back from Tommy John surgery. And, and that's who they're, they're bringing into their bullpen as a guy who can possibly help them. So you, they're obviously very desperate for bullpen help. They're desperate for bullpen help. They're desperate for a World Series. And I think that's why you're seeing them giving up the 28th best prospect for a two-month rental. That is a desperate yeah. move in and of itself. They're not going to get absolutely moronic and trade away Kyle Schwarber, who is a 40-plus home run guy for a relief pitcher. I would love it. Although I must although I must say now that I'm looking at the uh the Cleveland prospects and I'm I'm just kind of looking at to see who they are and where they're ranked. I'm intrigued by that considering they're they were offering um some pretty high guys. Two two top 50 guys is is what what the the rumors were coming well, wasn't out. It Torres, two top 50 guys. From the Cubs, wasn't it Torres plus a mystery player? It was Torres plus, but who and the plus was rumored also to be Adam Warren, <laughs> which would be which would be hilarious. 
Adam oh, Warren, Adam they just Warren. optioned to AAA. They just optioned him to AAA because he wasn't doing the job. Yeah. And this is a guy that could be coming back. And and he could be maybe a throw-in piece, which I wouldn't I'd hate that. happily take Adam Warren back. I would too. Because you're going to lose Ivan Nova in the offseason. You can just say, Adam Warren, get your crap together in the second half of this year. Stretch yeah. your arm out. You're going to be our fifth starter next year. Well, and the other thing is, if you get Adam Warren back in this Torres deal and you're getting rid of Chapman, guess who slots in at the seventh in the seventh inning? A guy that Girardi knows well and trusts very much so. Adam, Adam Warren was better in the rotation work. last year than he was in the bullpen, though. But he would go right back into that seventh role in the seventh inning round, no doubt. So we got to make new T-shirts. W B M. Yeah, we have to make something up. BMW, can we please be consistent we can with just the call last it, name? We can call it BMW. Yeah, there you go. Pretend there's no car that exists. Yeah, just like we'll pretend two of them aren't first names and one of them isn't a last name. Or... <laughs> Stupid. Uh, I I sort of concocted this next trade rumor in my head when I saw that Prince Fielder has a herniated disc and is probably going to miss the rest of the season and that Sinsu Chu is also on the DL. The Rangers mm-hmm. need Carlos Beltran. That makes too much sense, right? It, it does make a lot of sense in all honesty. It's uh, it's a guy who can play spotty. You know, He can spot in, on the, uh, in, in the outfield, but he can also DH. It's a guy that obviously will help in that lineup. Definitely help. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer right there. really is. That's an absolute no-brainer. And I thought maybe the Yankees would get uh, crazy and go Chapman plus Beltron for maybe Profar or something like that. Doesn't look like that'll happen. So you definitely need to trade Beltron. It seems like Texas would be the front runner for them because they had a crazy month of June to propel themselves into the into first place in the West. But Houston's on fire, so they need to reinforce their lineup, which has kind of been struggling. Prince Fielder wasn't doing anything for them anyway. If you slot Beltron into the DH spot, obviously he's been one of he's been the Yankees' only productive offensive player all season. You know, start start of the season until now. That would help them a lot. Do you want to get crazy though and say, "Hey, you also need uh, bullpen help"? How about Miller? I was about to get crazy. Miller and Beltron for Jerks and Profar. That would be that would be nice and juicy. I was about to get I was about I was about to get real crazy and and uh, say something very similar to that. This is a team. If you look at this, the makeup of this team, we already proved to them that they need bullpen help. We showed them that when we came back in the uh, in the seventh inning a couple weeks ago or eighth inning, whatever it was, and destroyed their bullpen. The Yankees destroyed their bullpen, and we so we, we proved to them the Yankees who have one Yan- hitter. The New York destroyed Yankees their destroyed their bullpen late in the game, and so we proved the fact that they need bullpen help. They obviously need a bat now. Now with their their injuries, I mean, this is a desperate team coming in, and they have you know who's who's hot on their ass hot on their ass right now the Houston Astros the Houston Astros look up and down that roster that roster is so stacked with young like stud talent they're scary and they just signed, a good team for a long they just time signed Uleski Gurel the third baseman Cuban right I forgot uh, about Cuban that prospect so yes. I know he's 31 years old but he could slot in in a in a few weeks and and really add to that lineup well, and they just brought up their their uh, stud shortstop, who's going to play third base, Alex Bregman, who's been destroying AAA. I mean, they're they're bringing another like ridiculous bat into uh, into Houston to play to, to go next to Carlos Correa, uh, Altuve, George Springer. Yeah, Altuve they, might win MVP. Every- I mean, Altuve is ridiculous. He's got 18 home runs and 20 home runs. He's got something crazy. So this this team is obviously on the rise. You're seeing how they 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 came out of the gate very slow, but they're I mean they're surging right now and bringing up another stud. This is a team of Texas 
who needs to hold off the Astros to win that division. And they're they're falling apart very fast. So they, and they've been struggling mightily after the All Star break. So this is a team that that could be very desperate to win and to win right now. So, you know, I wouldn't. The other guy that they could they could use with the Chu injury. I mean, you're looking look around here. We the Yankees actually have a lot of players that the Rangers could use. Is is Brett Gardner? Brett Gardner is a guy that could help that team immediately also. And you know, I, I see a lot of uh, potential a potential vibing with uh, with the Texas Rangers. And uh, you know maybe maybe we could we could prior or we could get some uh, some Gallo and uh, Profar or Gallo and someone else. I kind of want Gallo now, in all honesty. Kind of on the Gallo train for some reason. What happened? I, I I've been looking more into just reading more about him and his scouting reports and things. And like the kid has, I will call this special power because you you kind of okay. We're back to the special I'm, I'm power. Special power, okay. yeah. But I, I I think this kid is a. Uh, I think this kid has the, the the real potential to get better and and actually cut down those strikeouts and become more of a complete player. And uh, I don't know, he's just exciting. You to look me. at he's his a, minor league stats; they're impressive. He had uh, mid nine hundreds OPS in the minor leagues for his career. He struggled last year in the major leagues, but everyone struggles when they first come up. I mean, it's not uncommon for that to happen. No, not at all. So obviously, you're right. He's got he he can he can match the ball. Well, and, and if you look at the, the composition of the Yankees roster moving forward also, I mean, you're seeing a bunch of guys now. No, you're, we're, get, we're you're falling a, into that trap where you're trying to build position by position. You just want no, talent. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I am talking about talent strictly. I am talking, if you're looking at the guys who are going to be staying on the team is what I'm talking about. The guys who will be moving forward with and the guys who are in the minor leagues. You're seeing a lot of athletic talent and a guys that you're not seeing a, a lot of big home run guys. You're seeing a lot of guys who can, who can uh, you know, stretch the field, hit gaps, go you know, take multiple bases. You're seeing a lot of those type of guys. You know, Aaron Judge obviously being the one guy who can who can thump. But you you put a, a guy like J- uh, Judge and Gallo together for for many years. That's 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 awesome. With guys like Mateo and if we if this uh, if this Torres deal goes down, um, and then Didi obviously. Don't Castro, forget about Greg um, Bird. Greg Bird. I mean, he's not a big home run guy per se, but he had he's 11 a, home uh, runs in 40 games last year. I know. I think that was a little above his his. Uh, his projections average wise though, I think I think he's gonna to project to about a twenty home run guy, right? I don't know. I you mean, look that's, at that's Yankee kind of Stadium, he's got a sweet swing, he hits a lot of line drives. There there could be quite a few doubles that turn into three rows back in that right field porch. Yeah, no, that's fair. But the Gallo being a guy that can just, just thump all over the place, I mean, this is a guy that would bring power to, you know, on the road with you as well. So I don't know. To me it's just the way that the line, the way that the uh, the team seems like it's moving forward, Gallo would be a, a guy that, that could be, uh, you know, a, a, nice, a nice fit with the Yankees. The Yankees, if you look at trends in baseball, for a few years it went back to pitching was dominating, where offense was really down in the game. It was down to around four runs a game scored. Now it's kind of creeping back up to four and a half runs a game. Offense, home runs have been up this year. I think the most home runs per game have been hit in 2016 since 2001, which was the height of the steroid era. So offense is coming back to the game. I think there's a few reasons for it. One, it's because there's just so many ridiculous young athletes who can crush the ball coming up, and they don't tire at the end of the season because they're 22 years old, where the guys like Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira and Carlos Beltran, they break down when it gets to August because their bodies can't handle it anymore. So offense is coming back. The Yankees are going to need to stack their team with young hitters, and you just mentioned all those guys who are going to be young hitters. That's why I think the Yankees need to take this opportunity to really sell and, and get as many of those guys as they can. Pitching 
has, for the Yankees at least, has not really been their problem this year. Yeah, they've had some guys who have struggled. Evaldi got pulled from the rotation. Pineda was terrible for a while. CC has been inconsistent over the last month or so. But when you look at their pitching staff overall and their team ERA, you can't blame their pitching staff for the reason why they're a 500 team. I would blame their offense. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just so inconsistent. I mean, it's overall, it's inconsistencies. But yes, the offense, I think, has been the, the primary... Uh, culprit. I mean, it's it's at least the one that's that starts it because you're seeing a lot of the the bullpen or even the starting rotation, you know, trying to get through five six innings, and the, a lot of them are trying to be too perfect because they know that the offense isn't there. But you're right. I mean, if you look at this and and just by looking at this uh, this this MLB.com prospect list as well, if this Torres deal goes down, Yankees have four guys in the top fifty in their minor league system and. Two of them are in AAA, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez. Whereas Mateo and, and Torres, actually, they, they very, they pro- they're, they're very similar in, in players. I think uh, Mateo is probably the more dynamic base runner. And he's um, probably a little bit better defender. Yeah, and then Torres, uh, probably a little bit more power. But the, they're, they're very similar guys uh, in the sense that, you know, they're, they're both extremely young, extremely athletic, can both play uh, up the middle. So... It's exciting. Four out of the top 50 is pretty good. And uh, I don't know when the last time we could have, we could have said that. 94, 95? I, I was just going to say, yeah, probably early 90s yeah. <laughs> B- before the core four were all in the major leagues. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's exciting. To me, that's, ex- that's exciting. And I, I hope this deal gets done. I hope that we, uh, we get him. And I would love to see Adam Warren come back, too, in that, in that hall. That would be just kind of a, some icing on the cake to help us right now. And you never know. That would be hilarious, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> the Yankees it would, would be funny. essentially get Starling Castro for nothing. For zero, yeah. For Brendan Ryan, <laughs> Starlin, Starlin Castro has been been good again. We've got the good Starlin back. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, Carlos <laughs> Carlos Beltran's given him some hitting tips. He's been he's been uh, you know recognizing the, uh, the 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 breaking ball a little bit better. It seems like, and he's he's been hitting. He's been I think since the All Star break, he's hitting over you know three three. He's been hitting over three thirty. I heard three fifty the other day, but I, I think he had a. Um, uh, a down game yesterday, but yeah, he's he's hitting again, and, and that's and that's awesome. That's that's exactly what he did last year. You know, maybe this is a maybe this is kind of who he is. He he takes a little while to get going. I don't know. You you credit Carlos Beltran. I credit myself. I called yeah, him out I, on yeah. the show. Last I saw that time. comment. I, I saw your tweet. Yeah, I called him yeah, out. Yeah, so maybe maybe he, he was listening and, and got and got spurred on. He yeah. got mad. That's I'm a hundred percent positive. That's what happened. No effort, you say? No effort? <laughs> I'll show you effort. All right. Let's uh, some some stuff around the league also happened. This Chris Sale thing is bizarre. So if you if you guys don't know what happened, the White Sox were gonna wear these god awful throwback 1970s jerseys. They don't even tuck in. They're basically just baggy box shirts. Chris Sale said, "I don't want to wear this crap." The White Sox basically said, "You're we pay you to wear what we tell you and go out and pitch." He rebelled and cut up the jersey before the game. So they sent him home. He was supposed to start. They scratched him. They sent him home. And then they dis, uh, suspended him for five games for destroying team equipment. I and insubordination. <clears throat> What's up? And insubordination. I saw that. They, they added that to the, uh, to the reasons. Nice. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen something like this. I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't remember a player cutting <laughs> up a jersey because he didn't want to wear it. Can you? It's so childish. It's utterly ridiculous, the fact that it actually happened. 
It's it's funny because I'm actually probably one of the only I don't know how many people actually still watch Sports Center, but I still <laughs> catch zero. I, I I know I still catch Sports Center in the mornings. It's just it's it's been a routine for me for still, so long. You still wake up before school to make sure you get a full episode of Sports Center in, and then, <laughs> yeah. and, then a, and then a half hour Saved by the Bell, and then you catch the bus at seven thirty five because that's what I used to do. Yeah, I mean, if Saved by the if I could do that every day, it would be it would be a good day. I would wake but, up at I would when I was in like sixth grade, I would wake up for the six a.m. Sports Center. Watch six to seven, and then I watch uh, an episode of Saved by the Bell, and I'd get the bus. That's that's a good routine. I mean, that's a good routine. You get your sports, and then you get pumped up by Zach Morris. But the fact it's so funny because the the Sports Center anchors were just baffled by they didn't they were almost at a loss for words on on describing you know what happened with Chris Sale because it's so ridiculous and childish. He threw a temper tantrum. He, he literally was stomping his feet and t- and threw a temper tantrum. He was holding and, his breath. And, his face was oh yeah, turning red. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cut it up. I'm going to cut it up. I could just see him like a standoff. Like, don't cut it up. I'm going to cut it up. I could just see like there being a standoff in the clubhouse of him with scissors or a knife, like, ready to cut it up. Like, I'm not wearing this crap. And yeah, it's so ridiculous. So, yeah, he cut up his jersey, gets sent home. Gets sent home. He gets sent home. He gets suspended in, in school suspension. Go to your day. room, Chris. Yeah. And and then he gets suspended for five days for throwing a temper tantrum. So it's stupid. I mean, grow grow up, dude. Did you see what everyone's saying on Twitter about this? That this what, wouldn't have happened if Drake uh, Drake LaRoche was still in the in the clubhouse. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, I didn't see that. But he that's was the a, keeper of peace. The twelve-year-old son of Adam LaRoche was the keeper of peace in the White yeah, Sox nobody's clubhouse. Yeah, nobody's gonna wield a knife, right? With, uh, nobody's gonna take a knife to a jersey with a kid in the well, room. Well, Drake would have sat Chris down and be like, "You know what? You're a number one starter. Just wear the thing. Don't worry about it. You go out there, pitch seven innings, and you can take it off." He would have calmed him down. You don't think Drake would have taken him off the team and cut it up himself? Ooh, that's even better. I know. I like that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he is a child. This is what child. This is what children do. <laughs> They're like, hey, the kid threw a temper tantrum. He's homeschooled. He's, a, we- he's yeah. a weird kid. Adam doesn't raise him well. <laughs> yeah, can we get him out of the locker room, please? He's really distracting, and he cuts up my jersey. Two things about this Chris Sale thing. One, I think he's kind of trying to shoot his way out of town. And two, if I was a team, this would scare the hell out of me if I'm trying to trade for Chris Sale. This, this, this shows that he's not. Mature, mentally stable. He's not yeah. mentally stable and mature. Yeah, he's. Who the hell uh, takes a freaking knife? He slings it ninety-five miles an hour with a devastating Randy Johnson slider. But at the same time, he might cut up the jersey if he's unhappy. So and and then not pitch on the day he's supposed to pitch the morning of or no day of. It's like right before the game. Chris, suck I mean, it that's, up and go pitch for your teammates. It's insane. That's exactly. That's the other thing. Do you know how mad I would be if I was his teammate? They're not this... out of the race. There's. I mean, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. They're in a similar boat to the Yankees, where they're yeah, floating 500. around 500, not very good. But if I'm Todd Frazier and I'm watching this guy throw a temper tantrum, I'm like, screw you, dude. I'm trying to win ball games here. You're our best pitcher. So I'm Frazier. I'm going Jersey on this kid and, and throwing him up against a locker and be like, what is your problem? <laughs> Who who does this? Nobody does this. Grow up. It's crazy the fact that, you know, I'm looking at this as a if, if he was my teammate, I would be furious. And then you have to you have to throw some some. I think Al, Matt Albers, who's a, a journeyman, uh, you know, a guy who comes out has to throw. I, I think they won the game. They won a couple games in a row. But the fact that he comes and just completely lets his teammates down is is unacceptable. I mean, that's totally selfish. Number one, looking out for only one person, and that's it. I honestly kind of lose respect for Chris Sale in this whole I do too. Whole fiasco. 
because maybe cash maybe cash will go for it now because it's yeah, down by low. This is a perfect perfect cashman move. <laughs> Snake in the grass. Um, also, I didn't get to catch any of the Hall of Fame induction speeches. Griffey Jr., highest percent ever, got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mike Piazza also got inducted to the Hall of Fame. I saw something interesting, which I thought was kind of funny, that this was the highest to ever make the Hall of Fame in Ken Griffey Jr. He was a number one overall pick and the lowest draft pick ever. Mike Piazza was something like the 58th round or something crazy like that. So pretty uh, juxtaposing players to start their career have made the Hall of Fame at the same time. And the, the other stat about that, though, is, is Griffey was the first number one pick to make the Hall of Fame, which was very surprising to me. That is very surprising. I don't know how far back. Like how far back does the draft go? Does the does the major league draft from from college? I'm not sure how or you know for I don't know when it goes back. That's something we should probably look up. But uh, it's very I when I heard I was surprised that he would be the first number one draft pick to make it to the Hall of Fame. Goes to show you that in baseball There's it's so hard to pick guys even if they're number one overall. You know overall uh, their contention across major league baseball that this is the number one guy. It doesn't always work out. Obviously it worked out with Griffey. It's probably going to work out with Bryce Harper. But it does not work out ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, and yeah, I, so I saw a little bit. I saw excerpts of their speeches. To me, Griffey made some. I don't know. I didn't think Griffey's was as was very. I don't know. It, se- it seemed like he was forcing emotional topics, like talking talking about you know, um, you know how how. I don't know. It, it almost seemed like he was he was trying to really push that it wasn't as easy as everybody thinks it was, and that he had hardships. But when I look back at Griffey's career, I mean, the kid was a golden child from the beginning. You know what I mean, like, dad was a very, really very look like good he had major that. league yeah, player. Exactly, he was in the major league clubhouse for his his entire childhood. No, but it's like, just, his dad was a borderline Hall of Famer. You could argue. Yeah. So, so I have a very difficult time believing. Like he was crying up there. Like I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of that was was kind of. A little too much. I, I just I didn't believe it as much. I'm like, eh. Like you're a great player. You're awesome. Griffey was, you know, he put the hat on backwards, which I thought was a great, great move. He he stood up there and put the hat on backwards, yeah, which was Griffey, awesome. Griffey was the coolest. Every yeah, he kid was. He loves Griffey. Everybody, everybody, you know, mimicked his swing. But hardships for Griffey, eh, I don't believe it as much. I really don't. I mean, I'm I sure understand he, people. I'm hardships. sure there was plenty. Of, I'm sure he worked his ass off. That's what I'm gonna say. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't. I don't believe it came easy to him. I guarantee he worked his butt off. I just have a hard time believing he had too many hardships like everybody else. <laughs> Piazza's speech I heard was pretty good. Uh, yes. I did not hear that, obviously, but he went in as a Met. There was a lot of Mets fans there, I think, and he talked about the 9-11, home, the home run right after 9-11, which I think yeah. he got pretty emotional about. Yeah. That's probably the signature moment of his career. No doubt. So I listened to a bunch of interviews with him before the induction as well, and he was talking about this and how how uncomfortable he feels when people come up to him and thank him for that for that home run, and uh, he he definitely gets emotional. I mean, he was getting emotional in the interviews. You could tell that this guy truly feels uncomfortable talking about it in the sense that he realizes that that yes, it was a, a moment for people to kind of release uh, you know everything else that was going on and kind of uh, you know bring it back to baseball, which is just a simple pure thing, and and the fact that. But but he feels, I don't know, he feels uncomfortable because of the magnitude of what happened, um, you know, with with the rest of the situation that was going on. Obviously, so it's it's a it's a it's a strange predicament I think for him, in the sense that he did give a lot of people relief because it was a it was an opportunity for people to take their mind off of what was going on in the world, and and you know he helped that. But um, he definitely feels uncomfortable with it, and it's it's very obvious that that's genuine. And his speech was good. He gave a lot of praise to his father, who uh, you know had to. Um, 
who you know supported him is he he's from pennsylvania piazza is that where he grew up i guess I'm he did sure. i don't know i i didn't know that um but obviously his father i think was a um first generation um uh, american coming over from italy or his grandfather was it was it was uh very close so his heritage is extremely important to him i you know he plays for the or he did play for the Italian Olympic team or WBC or whatever. Um, but his was good. You could definitely some real emotion there. And I felt like it was a guy. It was definitely a good story being drafted where he was. He was apparently very close with Tommy Lasorda. That's why who, it was a, it pulled. was a favor. He drafted yeah. him as a favor. He turned yeah, into I didn't know the that. best hitting catcher of all time. That's crazy. Does, that's, uh, that's funny. That's funny that Lasorda was involved with that, though. Does Piazza still have the frosted tips? I didn't see the frosted tips. That was his signature back in the nineties. It was a, it was a. That was the boy band era. Yeah, yeah. It was acceptable at that point. No, it was never acceptable. Did you have frosted at that tips? Point it was, no, I did not have frosted tips. You seem like a frosted tips guy. Oh, I do not seem like a frosted <laughs> tips guy. <laughs> Is that the worst thing I've ever said to you? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> pretty. I'm, I'm pretty offended. <clears throat> Speaking of the Hall of Fame, Ichiro is four hits away from three thousand. He's had a great season. I didn't think he was going to get to 3,000 because he looked done two years ago. But he's going to get to 3,000. It's pretty crazy. It'll happen this week at some point probably. I think that it's going to be a celebration across baseball because people love Ichiro. Everyone, every baseball fan respects the hell out of Ichiro. He's been in the league for 16 years and he got 3,000 hits. Just think about that. The, The numbers are crazy when you take a look at him. All those 200 hit seasons in a row to start his career. Very deserving when he does eventually get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Ichiro's an awesome player. I was so excited when they when they signed him when that when that trade happened. I, first of all, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe that it was actually happening. Probably more for the namesake than the actual uh, the the talent at that point. Although he he did come over and contribute, but he's, he, he got uh, rejuvenated when he came over to the Yankees. Yeah, he did. He, he did. And but but you know the fact that he was actually just traded to the Yankees was just it was it was it was like to me <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this but it was like when Brett Favre went to the Jets I was like no possible way this is unbelievable that's I a, literally bought a Brett I bought a Brett Favre that's jersey actually that a night. really good comparison because they were both very close to the end of their careers but huge names the only thing is Brett Favre sent dick pics I don't think he drove <laughs> well that was dick afterwards <laughs> that was afterwards <laughs> I mean he didn't see Jen Sturgeon coming as you know one of the 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 sleeper cheerleader but you know it, to me it was a similar situation just because the star power was there i mean i've always been such a big brett Favre guy uh just a fan from from afar I and i brett think Favre. similar for, for what's that i hated brett Favre. so overrated really? so overrated oh i love him i love i love his mentality i love the fact that he just the throws the machine ball. i love the the, the 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 fact that he that he says uh put it put it in the old vice grip and just gives that handshake as one the, super, i love that one super bowl he underachieved in his career anyway the, you, you just said he's overrated. Then you said he underachieved in the same breath. So the the fact that Ichiro came over was just a star power thing, and it was it was awesome. Um, and and the, the the amount of media that came was was crazy uh, with uh, with Ichiro from from Japan. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Great career, man. Like unbelievable career. The fact that he's still going and having a good year. I mean, he's just he's he's hitting singles all over the place uh, for the Marlins, and he's actually really helped that team out. That team has definitely you know I think achieved more than everybody expected them to. You got to give a lot of credit to Mattingly. No he, doubt. He got a lot of crap when he left Los Angeles because he underachieved with that $250 million payroll. But you looked at that team and they, they were paying Call Crawford $22 million. So he sucked. That's why their payroll was so high. They just had a lot of dead weight on that team. 
He probably, Mattingly, should have at least made a World Series in Los Angeles. He didn't. But he goes to the Marlins with that payroll. They've got one star player, one star pitcher, and he's got them in a playoff race. They're ahead of the Mets right now. you got to give Mattingly a lot of credit. I I love Mattingly. I know you love Mattingly. I think he fits perfectly for that team. He's going to relate to the players because he's still kind of a young guy. He only retired in 1995. So... I think it's a perfect fit for him down there. He can grow the mustache back. It fits perfectly with South Beach. Brings Barry Bonds in. Probably shouldn't have given steroids to who's their second baseman, <laughs> D Gordon. Yeah, to uh, yeah, D Gordon. Probably shouldn't have best. hooked him up with his Balco contact. But hey, you I don't know why mistakes. D Gordon. I don't know why D Gordon is is uh, is taking slugs off of Bonds's shake. He really should not do that. It's a bad <laughs> move. <laughs> yeah, you know what this is doing though. You know this is like this is. Mattingly is is getting in his his grind work. He's 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 getting seasoned. He's becoming a a, a true manager. All all for the culmination of him coming back to the Bronx at some point. It's gonna happen. He's following the Girardi path. Goes down to Miami, manages that team to success. Then he comes up. He to already the Bronx. had his tutelage under Tory. He already had his tutelage under Tory, so he's got the Tory influence. He's got yeah, he's he's in Miami with a young team, trying to see what he does. He's he's worked with an old team, now he's working with a young team. So there's a lot of he's getting a lot of really good experience, very different teams. And and uh yeah, uh, I have zero I, I put this at one hundred percent that he will manage in the Bronx at some point. So February two thousand nineteen, when the Yankees have their press conference to announce that they signed Bryce, Har- Bryce Harper, it will be Don Mattingly handing him the jersey and not Joe Girardi. I mean, at some point, at some point, unless uh, a miraculous championship comes in the next two years, which I don't see happening, but you know, who knows? It's baseball season; anything can happen, I guess. The I, I you know, even if Girardi's the right guy for the, and everybody's he's one of the best managers in baseball, just for change's sake, I see it happening at some point if if things don't really change. Um, and yeah, I could see that happening. Absolutely, I could absolutely see that happening. Okay, so the Yankees went six and four on the homestand. Did anything jump out to you in that homestand? I, we kind of touched on it in the beginning how the Giants and the Orioles were struggling, and that's who the Yankees beat up on. But did anything else jump out to you in that homestand? Well, I mean, obviously the pitching—you know—the pitching was good. These the guys, the you know, Nova had a better had a better pitching performance. Um, there's an interesting stat uh, that. That I'm seeing that Justin put in here, I think Justin put it in here, was the fact that Romine catches Tanaka on Sunday. And this is the sixth time that Tanaka has been caught by Romine. And in those six stars, he's got a 2.06 ERA. That was interesting to me. Oh, boy. Do we have our contra catching controversy on our hand? Do we have a yeah, John little, Flaherty, Jorge Posada with Randy Johnson situation going? It's possible. I mean, the, you know, I think I do believe that that there's a there's a lot that goes into that as far as a comfort level and knowing a guy uh, and that a catcher can know a guy better. And Romine's always been known for his defense. He's always known, you know, that's, that's his, that's his shtick. It's a, he's been able to catch a good game. He's uh he's, he's always been good behind the plate and maybe there is something to that. I don't know. There, there very well could be, but Tanaka does the, strike me. Those as are guy, numbers. Tanaka strikes me as a guy who would have a personal catcher. I could absolutely see him having a personal catcher and a guy like Romine seems very, fitting as far as personality with with Tanaka you know kind of a more of a lower key guy that that that's you know I, to me I, I see him as more of a studious catcher than McCann almost I don't know what that means that but whole, that means, whole, it means something in my head whole, the whole personal catcher thing is so dumb it's got to be all mental for the pitcher yeah that's fine it very well could be but that's that's part of the game a lot of it is mental 
That's so that's a that's an actual ninety percent mental and the other half physical. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, look at Yogi. He knew what he was talking about. Uh, but yeah, I so hate, that was I hate one. having an ace that needs a personal catcher and needs six days rest. I hate that. I know, but it is what it is. The, Thanks. The, as far as as far as everything else, no. I mean, the the offense still to me struggled a bit. Castro obviously is, uh, has has been playing a lot better, hitting a lot better, and he's gotten some really big hits too. Think about um, the two games that they lost the uh, in the recent week. One, the third game, the fourth game against Baltimore which they only scored one run, and then the Saturday game versus the Giants when they only scored one run in 12 innings. They squandered so many opportunities offensively in those two games. Against the Giants, the McCann was up with Hicks on third base in the 10th inning, and he couldn't get a fly ball to get him in. That would have been the game right there. So right. the Yankees could have very easily gone, uh, What would have, it would have been 7-0 in their last seven games on this homestand. I mean that's a lot to ask for. That's 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 making sure that's that's saying of a lot. Of course, that's the, a lot to ask for. But it was so close. Right it was so close. Their offense just needed to scratch a, another run or two. Yeah. No. I. I mean, I totally see that. The the wins. Uh, you know, obviously, two of the wins came with a, a seven run performance and a five run performance. But the other one, it was a two one game. Um, we won a three two game. Uh, you know, and then and then yesterday. Uh, won a five-two game, but the offense has still been relatively struggling. You know, Avaldi, that's two in a row. I'd say that we're pretty good, right? He, he yeah. seems like he's, he came he's back to the rotation. Much he's much better yeah. since he came back to the rotation. A lot closer to the May Avaldi than the June Avaldi, no doubt. And and what you're seeing, I think, early in the early in the game, he's getting a lot of ground ball outs, which you know was one of the one of the things that I said that was a, a big reason for him to to go deeper in games and a lot of his success is that means that means that splitter is getting thrown low in the zone he's throwing it more and and you're seeing a lot more ground ball outs and to me that's where he needs to be he needs to get those ground ball outs for him to be more effective and go deeper into games because he does throw a lot of pitches the fastball isn't as um, dynamic is not as much of a strikeout pitch as other guys' fastball, so he does need to get that ground ball out. I mean, you think that he throws 100 miles an hour, so he'd be a big strikeout guy, but at the same time, that's that's you know, it's, it's a just, flat fastball. It, just it doesn't work out that way. Um, yeah, some days there's more movement on the fastball than others, but most of the time it's relatively it's relatively straight. So uh, the fact that he's getting those ground ball outs is is very positive to me. So you know, we we've seen him. Take this, take this turn before, and then fall back to it. So let's see uh, if he can, if he can really steady the ship, and and you know, kind of go back to what we saw last year. Because at the end of the end of last year, the second half of last year, Evaldi was their best pitcher until he had that that elbow injury out of the out of the blue. So if he can, if he could continue that, if Nova could continue some of what he's doing, then you know, we're going to get good starts from Tanaka. There's no reason we shouldn't get Tanaka starts, and then you know, who the hell knows what we're getting from CC and uh, and Pineda, but. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's positive steps in the right direction. All right, let's get into some mailbag questions and Twitter questions before we get out of here. The first one comes from at BrianDC589 on Twitter. He says, at this point in the season, I'm firmly firmly behind a major teardown, so would you guys release Teixeira and or A-Rod? And there was a report from John Heyman last week that said the Yankees have considered cutting Teixeira and or A-Rod. I don't know how much you want to take that into account. They've considered it. Like, yeah, of course. I'm sure they've considered a lot of things. But right. do you realistically seeing that happen? Say they trade Chapman, they trade Beltron. This team is not going to make a playoff push. Could you see them moving on from A-Rod? I don't think they're going to move on from Teixeira at this point because his contract is up in a month and a half, two months. Right. But do you think they'll they'll move on from A-Rod? Yeah, I could see it happening. I think that they have to. I, I I think there's there's no possible scenario 
where Alex Rodriguez should even be in spring training next year. The guy does not help the team anymore. He, he's, a, he, he's, he's old. He's slow. He's, I don't care what everybody says. He's still there. The bat speed's still there. That's a bunch of bullshit. It's not. He's guessing, and occasionally he'll, he'll make contact with a ball, and it'll go a long way. But every other at-bat has been are terrible at-bats. He's, just, he's, he's an out. He's an out or a home run, and the home runs are once every 45 at-bats, maybe. He's just, he's just not, a good, he's not a good baseball player anymore. And the, you know there are rumors about him taking first, grounders at first. We're not going to see that. He's not there. He's not going to do that. He's not going to put himself in a position to 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 fail uh, even more. You know. So no. Well, didn't he I, meet I, I, with I could the Steinbrenners recently? Didn't he have a private meeting with the Steinbrenners over the weekend? I, re- yeah, I read maybe. that somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I might have. Seen it that. might be sort of how they are going to move on and and not have it be a circus. You know, it might be like well, a, the, I mean, a, can a you statement see it? Mutu- mutually they've decided to move on or something. Obviously, the Yankees would still have to pay him, but. So it's he can't not a be on this team next year, right? No, because he if be he comes team. back to spring training, it's it's just going to be the A Rod spring training. That's going to be the it's going to dominate the discussion, and you don't want that. Well, and and the fact that he's a shell of himself and just doesn't help. I mean, he's a detriment to the team at this point, in my opinion. True. He's, he's keeping other people off of the roster. He's four he's home keeping, runs. He's taking bats out of other people's hands. He's four home runs from seven hundred. I think the Yankees yeah. and him are praying he gets that sometime in the second half of this year. They'll have a nice ceremony for him. They'll say they'll sell some merch, and then they'll move on. They're going to have to pay him the $25 million bucks or whatever it is next year. But I think they need to move on, just like you said, to have peace of mind. Is there a milestone? Uh, is there a milestone? No. The milestone bonus is passing Babe Ruth. Okay. That's the first that one. Was... And then the next one is passing Hank Aaron. And then the next one is passing Barry Bonds, which obviously okay. he's not going to do. Right. So, so, yeah, I mean, look, you're right. It, that would be the more clean ending. Of him getting the 700, and then and then in the off season they just part ways. They do something, and part ways because it's got to happen. But uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they if they cut bait with him at some point. Especially if there was a surge. That's the other thing. If there's a surge while Arod's still not doing well, and and you know we're we're getting closer to September call ups, and some of these guys can contribute. I could see it happening as well. Okay, the next one comes from at Caesar G, and it's Caesar with two E's. And he says, this is a question in response to the Chapman trade rumors. What happens with Mateo? Do you package him up with a player for a starting pitcher? Buy and sell. So, no. <laughs> I mean, here's a couple of things. A couple of things to note with the fact that we, we already talked about the fact that you cannot have too many guys with superior talent that are, are very high-ranking prospects. I don't care if they're playing the same position. You, they can be moved around a little bit. You know, there's, there's third base that that a, a shortstop can slide over relatively easily too. We've seen it in the past. Many shortstops have slid over to third base. Many second basemen have uh, second basemen have moved over to third base. Some of these guys can play outfield. Chris Bryant, who's a third baseman uh, who plays the outfield constantly for Look the at Cubs. Mookie Betts, he was a second baseman and they moved him to the outfield and he's one of the best outfielders in the league. So this guy, he's extremely athletic. He can he can learn other positions. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that at all. The other thing I'm not worried about is the fact that <clears throat> and I know there's a lot of people talking about, hey, maybe maybe the the Yankees are down on Mateo because of the recent you know incident with him being suspended, uh, you know, a leave of absence, and you know there's maturity issues. Okay, he's a young kid. He's what 22 years old. No, oh, I don't even think he's that old. He's younger than that. Whatever. He's 20. Maybe he's 20 years old. He's a young kid who's probably immature because he just that's turned 21 in June. Okay, he's 21 years old. Young kid, going to have maturity issues, probably thinks he's the greatest thing in the entire world. It, when you were 21, 
you thought you were the greatest thing in the entire. Everybody's invincible at 21. It's just a, it's a, when you're a guy and you're 21 years old, you are invincible. It's just a, it's just what happens. So I'm not worried about that. I think he'll mature. We saw the same thing with Gary Sanchez, very similar. He's rebounded. We saw Beltran reach out to, to Mateo. These are guys that, you know, this happens, the, the maturity issues. So I'm not worried about that. I think that having the two of those guys, if Torres is actually uh, a real thing and he comes over, I think that's exciting. That, that, that is exciting. Could they package him up later down the road guys at some point? Yeah. yeah, they could. Absolutely. But it helps the Yankees. But that's why you uh, that's why you obtain as many assets as you can. So you have the option exactly. to either call them up or package them up. Right. All right. It's putting them in a, in a, in a win win position. So we got an email question from Jared from Long Island, and he kind of went on a rant about how he does not trust Hal Steinbrenner, and he thinks he's immoral for not allowing the team to rebuild. It was a long email. It was a good rant, so I'm not going to read it, but that was sort of the gist of it. And I think you and I touched on this at the start of the show, that if Hal Steinbrenner is actually affecting day-to-day baseball operations and telling Brian Cashman who he can and cannot trade, you and I definitely disagree with that. Do you think it would be immoral for Hal Steinbrenner to do that? <laughs> immoral? No, I don't think immoral is the right word. I think egotistical might be uh, maybe more accurate or uh, a little too controlling type thing. But see, I, I don't know. I, at the at the same time, where, where you're saying that we both agree that that that's not crazy, I, I still believe. I, I actually, I'm not sure. I'm I'm in in full agreement with you in the sense that that the owner of the team shouldn't. Uh, give the final okay after hearing the recommendation of his employee. No, no, no. It's I not, think I, it's not I don't think that you have okay. to. It is. It but is if, the final okay. After you hear all of the information, I mean, you don't think the owner of the team is giving the final okay on every single trade everywhere? I think that is happening. But if he were going to, if, if the Yankees, if he went to Brian Cashman in the situation that they're in right now and he said, yes, you can trade guys, but you cannot trade Andrew Miller. When Brian Cashman is saying, well, I can get the best return for us for Andrew Miller. So that hamstrings him right there. I See, I don't think that's happening, though. I, I think they are, they are listening. I mean, who the hell knows? We're all freaking speculating. on Everybody's speculating on what the hell is happening behind the scenes here. But if he was to say, no, you're not trading this guy, uh, I don't know, because that's still a business. That's See, to me, that's a very touchy subject because – you, you know, the, the, there's a business decision in there because he is controlled for two more years. So there is an element of a business decision in that. And the fact that there's a return, you know, the, if he's completely saying don't listen to don't listen to any offers, then I'd have a problem with that. I, OK, I have a problem with that because because then you're not finding out what the options are. But I don't think that's the case. I think they are listening to what what's what's out there. So you're telling me if Brian Cashman went to Steinbrenner and said, I can get XYZ for Andrew Miller. This is the best offer on the table. This guy's the number seven overall prospect in baseball. This guy's the number 30 overall prospect in baseball. This is going to make us better in the long term. Hal Steinbrenner would say, nope, sorry, can't do it. That's yes, wrong. I have a problem with that. That's wrong. Yes, I have a problem with that because that's not trusting your guy then. So why is your guy your guy? Exactly. But that's not trusting time, but, the guy you hired to make baseball decisions. Right. But I do believe that conversation is happening every single time because I think he's going to give him all the information. He's going to give him his opinion. He's going to give him everything he's there for because that's his job. And then I think Hal's going to give the final, okay, he's, you know, he's either, Brian, completely trust you. You should do it. Or or no, I I, I don't believe we should do it. But yeah, I, I still think that's happening. <clears throat> but I do believe that he's he's letting Cashman do his job at this point. I hope so. so. I don't think it's an issue is what I'm saying. I hope so because I think Cashman has flashes of confu- like where I'm confused by the moves he makes on some of the free agents. But largely for the last five, eight years, I think he's done a pretty good job at 
trying to rebuild this team while remaining relevant, which is extremely hard to do. It's almost impossible to do. Look at the Astros. They had to lose 100 games for five straight years just to get all that talent in their system. So it's extremely hard. And, and I think that's actually more to the point of uh, what's what's more wrong with the whole situation, in my opinion, is that I think that the, the higher-ups, the Steinbrenners, the Levines, are the guys that are influencing Cashman to go out and have to sign some of these bigger guys as a splash. I think that's where the influence actually is more of, of an issue, in my opinion, because I think they are telling him, hey, you got to go out and sign somebody and make a big splash because we need a splash. And maybe that's not the best move for baseball decisions, but but Cashman makes the best of the situation that he has to do. But I think he's being told to go and do that. That's where I see uh, the bigger issue. Yeah. All right. Last mailbag is from Jerry. He says, we've seen some solid starts recently from Nate and Nova. Should I be excited or preparing for yet another letdown soon? Similarly, Starlin's breakout, breaking out again. What are your thoughts on this? And uh, I want to add to his question on Nate and Nova. Do you think the Yankees are also floating their names in trade rumors since they're starting to pitch a little better? So, Jerry, thank you for the the email question. So um, we kind of touched on the Evaldi start, but Nova also had a really good start. Yeah, I I just don't think Nova is a piece that you can really get rid of at this point unless he's a package, unless he's he doesn't really bring a lot of value, I think, back. So why not? He's another arm that the Yankees can use. And if he's pitching well, he's, to me, more valuable. Yeah, but if you're not going to be competing for the playoffs, I don't think they're going to re-sign him in the offseason. So why not get what you can for him? Because I just don't think they're going to get anything for him. I don't know. I, I think there's an opportunity where they could bring him back you, as a fifth starter. There's a and, team like the the Dodgers who are desperate for starting pitching right now who might have to overpay for a guy like Nova who they think can just slot in as their number four starter. Look, I am not against trading him if you can get something that's overvalued. I just don't think he's going to bring back that type of value or any any type of value. But, hey, I mean, if, if you're cashing out there, you're floating every name, in my opinion. Yeah, of all these being floated, Nova's being floated. If you could get returns back that are, you know, over what you think the the value is. I mean, I still have a hard time giving up on Nathan Navaldi as, as, as much as he's broken he's my heart. He's you, huh? Yeah, he is. He's he's a he's killing me, man. He really is killing me. Cause you see outings like the past couple ones where he's just grinded out. 116. You know, the guy was a, seemed like a gamer the other night. I mean, he really wanted to stay out there. And I, I don't know. I saw a level of competitiveness in in the last start from him that I hadn't seen in a while, and I really liked what I saw. And when you see that type of that type of flair, you know, that's the type of th- the, the thing that's exciting to you. And you know, even if he's a back of the rotation guy, he's still an effective back of the rotation guy. If that's if that's who he is. So you'd have to get a significant value for him, in my opinion. Um, Nova, probably less. But, but Evaldi's a guy that, that, to me, still has a lot of value. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have to be a frontline guy to be a value to this team. So I think people are, are He just needs to be more being, consistent. He can't have to be pulled out of the rotation because he's so bad for five starts in a row. Right. I agree with that. But, I mean, that was... To me, that was out, out of the norm, right? I mean, the, always the knock on him was that he wasn't going deep in games, but he was keeping the, the Yankees in the game. So that little blow-up, to me, was out of character for what he has been. While he hasn't gone into games, I think that's what's driven you crazy was the fact that he doesn't go deep into games. He never really had that blow-up. That was, that was kind of the saving grace for him last year that he wasn't that blow-up guy. He was the guy that would, you know, he would let up three, four runs for five, six innings, but he would keep the Yankees in the game all the time. And that's why he had that... You know, he had a lot of run support and had those wins. Um, so to me, he's a, a guy that's that's still very valuable and has a, a higher ceiling than Nova. 
I yeah, I, I can see obviously way higher ceiling than Nova. We know what Nova is at this point. He's no longer young. He's in his late twenties. He's been in the system for a long time. They're gonna move on from him. Obviously, I think they're gonna bring Evaldi back. He'll be he'll get a raise in arbitration. He'll be back next year and they'll see what they have. He'll be auditioning for a contract next year, so maybe he will yeah. he will be extra consistent. <laughs> we'll see. Well, and and the other thing is is that people I think might have too much of an expectation for him that he needs to be because they see that overpowering or it's not overpowering, but you see the 100 mile an hour fastball and you're like, oh, this guy needs to be a top of the rotation type guy. Well, why? Why does he need to be a top of the rotation guy? Why can't he be a number three, number four, and and you know kind of be what he is and still be effective in that role? I mean that that still brings value to the Yankees. Uh, as a as a number four or five guy, if that's what he is, with with you know flares of of number one type stuff. So I, I still think there's a lot of value, and and you know maybe maybe my expectations and everybody's expectations are just too high for this guy, and that he is um, you know he's going to be a good number three or a good number four. Yep, everyone needs number three and number four starters. It's All true. right, uh, you guys can submit mailbag questions at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. And you can find us, the, the podcast on Twitter, at Yankees Podcast. You can also ask questions there. We've been tweeting out some show clips and mailbag asks from there. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? No, do the deal. I want Cashman to pull some triggers. Uh, I think we're going to see some cards drop this weekend. I think it's going to be more than Chapman. Yeah, we might know before today is over. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.